This is Black and Gold Rush, the podcast where we talk about all angles of New Orleans Saints football. I'm your host, Rachel Jones, and I've been a Saints fan all my life, so I know just how much this team means to our city, both as a former reporter and from my season ticket in Section 257. Whether it's breaking down game tape or telling an inspiring off-the-field story, I'm here for it because the Saints bring us together. Let's get going. What's going on, Houdat Nation? Welcome to episode 20 of Black and Gold Rush. Starting today and in the next several episodes, my goal is for you to not only know the names of the six players the Saints drafted, I'm guessing you already do, but also, more importantly, to show you about them as people and how they'll fit into our team and our city. After all, it's already May, and these guys are going to be in the building really soon. Speaking of May, the NFL schedule release is this Wednesday, May 12th at 7 p.m. And like I said, I'm going to peel back the curtain on this Saints draft class even further with upcoming episodes devoted to each of them. You'll hear from Pete Werner's high school coach, Landon Young's grad assistant coach at Kentucky, sideline reporters who covered Paulson Adebo and Quan Baker, and more. I don't want to give everything away just yet. Just make sure and hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a moment. And if you like what you hear, please, please rate and review, or at least tell a fellow Saints fan. It would mean so much to me. Now for today's show. We're doing a Saints draft deep dive with a dear friend of mine, NFL analyst Mike Dettelier. Mike and I first connected when I was at the LSU Reveille. He was the resident draft expert we all went to for insight and predictions on where LSU players would be drafted. Mike's annual draft report is a staple every year, 36 years now to be exact. He even joked it feels like he's been doing this since he was 9 or 10 years old. And while it hasn't quite been that long, we've heard him on radio stations, podcasts, even TV stations every day across the country for many, many years. And of course, on New Orleans' own WWL radio. I'm honored to call him a friend and one of my mentors and to have him join us to analyze the Saints 2021 draft class. We also share some incredible stories too. And Mike has some advice on how to remain flexible and stay true to your roots, especially when you find success in your life and career. So what are we waiting for? Let's get rolling. Mike Tatillier, welcome to the show. It is so awesome to see you again. Thanks so much. Great to have you back in the press business. We oh miss you. Uh, you were terrific, but I understand. Hey, that means so much. So we're going to have some fun today, obviously unpacking the Saints draft class. But first, I would love for you to give us a glimpse of what first sparked your interest in sports, because, Mike, I know you started on a very different career path. Isn't that right? Yeah. um, You know, my mom, uh, God bless her. She would she only did one interview. Everybody wanted to interview her. uh, But um, unlike uh, Coach O, uh, she didn't want to do them. You know, Coco was one thing she would. 
she loves to talk. My mom didn't want to do that. But the one interview she gave, she was like, and she's told me this a million times before she passed away. She said, you know, you could have done what you're doing today when you were 11 or 12 years old. And she's maybe right. Um, you know, you grow up in that family of people in sports who are players, coaches. And so, you know, you immersed in it so to speak. And so that's the first thing that probably peaked it for me, just being around it and, you know, not only playing, but also studying the sport. And uh, I grew up in a unique situation uh, because of the people in my neighborhood of where I live, you know, just a little down the road, um, the guy I work with, Bobby Bear grew up. Um, the guy that's now the head coach of LSU, Ed Ogeron. Now, they both live south of the Intercoastal Canal, so you got to uh, understand uh, school districts. But if you live south of the Intercoastal, you went to South Lafourche. If you live north of it, you went to Central. So I went to Central. They went to South. And um, my neighbor for many years, until he moved to Erath, uh, was Shane Sellers, who ended up being one of the top horse jockeys in the world, you know, late 80s, 90s, into the 2000s. So, and so you couldn't drop a dime and hit, you know, in this sort of neighborhood. And yet, you know, all four of us come out of it sports related some kind of way. So it's been at a real early age for me. Wow. Wow. So you really grew up around sports and grew up studying it. And so many listeners know you for your annual draft report that we talked, you've been putting it together for 36 years now. Um, tell us what I was just a little tight when I started like nine or 10, wow. you know, so <laughs> Wow. I was so, just a little kid. Oh, my goodness. I, I mean, seriously. No, that's, that's really no. not true. But I mean, I was right, in my, right. I was in my early 20s when I first started it. And, um, you know, a lot of different people were involved in trying to push me to do it. Uh, one was Don Landry, who uh, had been the head basketball coach at Nichols State University, who I'd known really well. And then he became the athletic director. And he had told me, Mike, for all this, you got to put it on paper and do a book. And uh, I had got to know Don Klosterman through Dave Dixon, the father of the Superdome. Uh, Dave had sort of hooked me up with Klosterman. And he was NFL GM, chief scout for the Kansas City Chiefs in the 60s. In the 70s, he was general manager, Houston Oilers, Los Angeles Rams, and then became involved with the LA Express of the USFL. And both were very instrumental in getting me to put this into book form. Okay. They knew I was an engineer by trade, mm -hmm. so to speak. But their deal is, it, what's the connection? And... I always look at it. There is that learning how to build, do it a certain way, looking for certain elements. And so Don Landry 
would be a, a big part of that, along with with Don Klosterman. They, those guys really sort of pushed me into, hey, just don't do it radio or television. Put it in book form. And that way, you know, in today's world, people say, oh, well, I like that guy. Well, I like that guy. Well, I like that guy. Well, they can go on their Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, and they can delete that thing that's not right. When you put it in a book, I can't rip that page out of everybody's book that, you know, that they bought. So um, it's opinion and uh, give it. And one thing I never forget Don Klosterman telling me is, hey, give your opinion and stick with it. Do or die with it. And then later on, uh, Buddy Diloberto had the best line from me. He was like, uh, don't be afraid to be wrong. Don't <laughs> ever be afraid to be wrong. Like, uh, Oh my gosh. How did you get that voice so good? Oh my gosh. (laughs) That voice. Uh, Well, I heard it for so many years. We were going to write a book together uh, because it was something he told me toward the end of 04 and uh, just a few days into 05. He's like, let's collaborate on a book together. Uh, Early days of the Saints. uh, He said, I know eventually they're going to win. But he said, you know, I'm probably not going to live long enough for that to happen. Uh, I wish you'd have seen the Sean Payton time frame because oh my goodness, he would have, yeah. he would have really had a great time with it. No six and seeing that team uh, come one game from the Super Bowl and certainly in 09 uh, winning the Super Bowl. So, um, yeah, we we had a lot of laughs, a lot of great times. Same thing with Bobby. Um, yeah. Working with him. We, we have some. We have some good times together. Oh, my goodness. Well, it is just such an honor to you've been around so many people who know the Saints so well. And like you said, you know, with your draft report now in this age of social media, people are tweeting about your draft report. I saw a tweet that said, this is so thick. I think I could tie down the backyard furniture set with this thing. Talking about your draft report. It's just such a testament of uh, the research that goes into it. I mean, just talk about the, the, the amount of work that goes into it and the research that you put into it. Well, uh, you know, I'm old enough now. I have um, a little granddaughter. Yeah. And she tells me, Pop, um, you still working on that book? You know, and so, you know, you put some hours when, you know, the little granddaughter tells you that. And so um, I would say out of 365, probably I'll work on it 350 days out of the year. I'll take a little time off because uh but, you know, I'm always thinking about it. I, I always carry a little notepad with me or I don't write it down on myself. I, I got to write it. I, I got to write, write it. So I, I'll think of something and I'll write it down and uh, even travel. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about because you sort of immersed into it at that particular stage. So it's waking up sometimes. I can't sleep more than three and a half, four hours. And then I got to get up. And so I'm watching film. I'll write a note on something. And so, uh, yeah, it's a lot of work uh, that goes into it. And it's not for a specific team. It's generic, which is different. If I Mm -hmm. were doing it for a specific team, I would know what they're looking for, the type player they're looking for. Um, when you do it generic, you got to do it all across the board. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the biggest maybe misconception about the draft, that everybody has the same thoughts. 
And all 32 teams have different thoughts. And if you went inside the organization, if there were eight scouts, you would get eight different opinions on that player. And then the head coach gets involved. So you got a lot of differing opinions on a player and what you're looking at and what you like or don't like. And so it is, um, it's time consuming. Um, but, um, I enjoy doing it and, uh, I could talk draft, um, and I have uh, almost every week of the year in a lot of big-time players. No doubt. Wow. Well, you've certainly established yourself as the go-to when it comes to NFL draft in not just New Orleans, but across the country. People go to you when they want a radio interview or TV, anything. So with that, let's segue into your draft insights. Let's start with the Saints first round pick. They went with defensive end. Peyton Turner. A lot of people were surprised by that. They thought first they might trade up, you know, but that didn't work out. They couldn't get a reasonable trade partner um, in the top 10. But let's talk about your thoughts on where Peyton Turner is going to fit into this defensive line, Mike. Were you surprised by that? I mean, he's got a great motor, uh, seven foot wingspan. He his senior season, he had 10 and a half tackles for loss. So he brings in a great fire to compete. So where do you see him fitting in on the defensive line? Surprised me. Yeah. And I had heard the buzz that he was a guy. And my thing about it is, how can you move up a draft chart when you haven't played one game? I, you know, I don't get that at all. I do get this part of it. It's supply and demand today. And I do think seven on seven has started to change the world where um, guys like Peyton, who probably came out of college or high school, I should say, like 215, 220, uh, you know, they want to play wide receiver or tight end. You know, it's pitch and catch. And uh, he grew into that defensive end spot. Uh, and you're right about what you say. Plays hard, very smart. Um, he's versatile. He's played defensive tackle, defensive end. Does that? He's a long wing guy, like a big condor. I mean, you know, seven foot wingspan. That's that's a huge wingspan for a guy. The two negatives why I dropped him uh, was one in that conference. He was never dominant. He was good. Can't say he was a dominant player. Yeah. Okay. He's not going up against Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Florida. No. You know, none of those teams. You know, I'm talking about Tulane, Navy, yeah. Air Force. Over there, Army, the American. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Houston. Okay. Uh, that, that's not the dominant offensive lines. No. And secondly, and it's the most important thing, injuries. You go back from his senior season of high school all the way through, hurt, 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 injuries. Yeah. I do think the one thing in doing this all this time is, uh, and he's a tough guy. He played with two broken hands as a junior, which is tough. Defensive lineman, you got to you got to use your hands to get off a block. Yeah, is that that follows you? It's rare that a guy that has had that list of injuries becomes injury free in this man's game of football, and now seventeen games. So those two things dropped me. They're going to kick him inside the defensive tackle. And uh, Ryan Nielsen calls it this NASCAR package where he wants to get the top 
four pass rushers on the field, obvious uh, passing downs. And so I think they'll you'll see him be kicked inside with that. And uh, I just hope he can stay healthy because that's the key. Why he got picked that high is supply and demand. Yeah. So let's talk about, you know, you mentioned, you know, the injuries and the importance of staying healthy. I found it so interesting that the Saints made this pick on the very day that they picked up Marcus Davenport's fifth year option. Do you think that this puts Marcus Davenport on notice in a way? Or how do you think that this plays out with Peyton Turner and Marcus Davenport and and that and and the defensive end position in general. Well, um, I think this is more eventually going to be a replacement pick for Cam Jordan. Okay. Okay. Um, Cam has been an Iron Man out on that field. Iron Man. He's not getting any younger. Yeah. No. Nope, we none of us are, and he's <laughs> not. And you know, and so there comes a point in time. Well, you have to make that maneuver. Does it put Davenport on press? Probably so. Um, when he's been healthy, he's a good player. Mm-hmm. Problem is the injuries. Yeah. One after the other after the other. And again, it's it's that trail that once you start getting them, they follow a lot. Let's talk about the quarterback the Saints did get. Who uh, you you were getting a lot of credit for that. Uh, you had him mocked to the no, Saints. I'm not the one who picked him though. I but Rachel, you know me. I listen well, okay. And I think it's one of the good traits I have. Yeah, I, I listen real well. When he went on Dan Patrick, and I get the question, they always got people that they want to read more into it than what it is. Dan asked him, is there a guy in this draft class that reminds you of you? Mm-hmm. I knew what he meant. It wasn't talent. Right. Come on, I ain't picking Sean Payton. And he <laughs> even admitted, I wouldn't pick me. But mental makeup, toughness, and I'm, I'm telling you, either that day or the day before, he had been watching film of Ian Book. Yeah. And it was in his mind, because we sometimes answer questions about what's relative that just happened. So he's watching Ian book and it popped. Just he answered it so fast. I was like, whoa, that's the Saints are going to pick him. So I put it in my draft book and I said it on a number of shows I'd done, number of podcasts, whatever. And everybody was, man, there's no way he's not going third or fourth round. He's a sixth or seventh round pick at best. I was like, okay, that's your opinion. But that's not the coach's opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, he thinks about it differently than I do, you do, or anyone else. Mm-hmm. He dropped the breadcrumbs for us. It was <laughs> like a bird. You could have followed it. It was easy. That's one of the easiest hits I've ever had. And then he tried to he, act like he was like, I don't remember saying that, like in the post Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. And it's not hot in Louisiana in the summertime either. Come on. He knew exactly. <laughs> he said it. And I think, okay, sometimes you say things that are in your mind because it's current. And I'm just telling you, either that morning or the day before, he was watching film of Ian Book. Mm-hmm. And that got him Ian Book in the head. Right. And so when Dan asked it, then he answered it based off of the film events. he had just watched. Yeah. It, it, 
But some people, oh, well, he, he's picking a guy like him. It's like, no, you don't understand. And I wonder sometimes about comprehension, you know, in, in this world. He wasn't meaning talent. He was meaning kind of the mental makeup. Because Sean being a quarterback understands about a guy being tough, about a guy being a leader, being a winner. Uh, he's won more games at Notre Dame than anyone else. Yeah, uh, 30 and five record. I mean, a, right. Yeah, like the, the knock on him is his size, I guess. But the Saints just finished a pretty good run with somebody who you could also call undersized at the quarterback position. Well, <laughs> Rachel, Ian Book is taller than Drew Brees. Yes, yeah, six not foot. Not by much. Mm-hmm. Not by much. Right. So Drew Brees taller. is what five foot eleven, maybe six foot standing yeah. up straight. Well, <laughs> no, if they put Drew in that harness like they got you in now for the combine, now he wouldn't measure six foot tall. Right. Um, and uh, I'm not going to say like Abraham said. As I get older, I'm shrinking. I was six five, now I'm six four and a half. Mm-hmm. Now, now some of that is maybe accurate, but whatever. Um, I do think what you saw here, and we saw him first, what, Citrus Bowl against LSU. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Wimbush, he couldn't hit the backside of a barn with a bazooka. He was a running quarterback. They put Ian Book in there, and all of a sudden, he starts making plays, throwing the football. And the other part that gets, I guess, maybe misunderstood is, I think Sean, uh, you know, because he's very innovative with this is going to come up with a package to get him involved. Ian Book, throughout his career, has been a bit of a runner, too. He's not as big. He's not as fast as Taysom Hill, but he carried the ball 364 times at Notre Dame. Okay, uh, guess what? They're going to come up with a package that Ian Book is going to run that option and either throw off of it or throw it out. Yeah. yeah. I'm just telling you, I can almost hear the wheels clicking in his head. They're different style quarterbacks from what they can do, but he's going to do a role that there is no other Taysom Hill. There is no six foot two, 235 pound quarterback that can run like Taysom, but Sean's thinking, and that guy was really mobile at Notre Dame. He can run the option. Uh, we could have come up with a play or two for him. Right. right. Somebody that's mobile and can throw accurately. I mean, he had a touchdown interception ratio of 72 to 20 and completion percentage of 63%. So those are some weapons you could work with. And he's a tough, and the one flaw I saw in him is something when he sets and he throws the ball over the top, he is really accurate with his set and throw. The problem becomes sometimes he throws it like he's getting hit when there's no one around him. That's a flaw, or I, should, I shouldn't say flaw. That's something that he developed in high school that Notre Dame didn't try to break. And, and watch his throws. He's throwing back. He's falling back. That takes up the velocity and also your accuracy skills. I think Sean feels I can break that habit of Ian Book. Okay. And he's not telling you, but I will. Sean really believes that he is going to be a starting quarterback one day in the NFL. The breadcrumbs to your story. 
Interesting. Wow. So two other positions we'll we'll hit on that Saints fans, I think we're hoping that the Saints would address were linebacker and cornerback. So at linebacker in the second round, the Saints got Pete Werner. The Buckeye pipeline to the Saints continues. So let's talk a little bit about Pete Werner. Definitely versatile played a strong side and weak side. So what do you think about how the Saints might be able to utilize him? He seems like he can be a three down linebacker, also a very serious, intelligent person off the field as well. Genetics knew his dad, dad played with the Jets Eagles. His brother went to Harvard and played football. Now here's the thing you don't get, or some people don't get. When you go to Harvard, they're not giving you an academic, they're not giving you that athletic scholarship. You go in there for academics and you play, just so happen to play athletics. Okay. So he's got genetics, one of the most highly recruited linebackers in the Midwest at that time. Yeah. And he sits year one. He's a special teams player and a really good one. It starts for three seasons. Other than intelligence, instincts, I give him an AA. On those two marks. Everything else, he's a B plus student. He's good against the run. He's good in pass coverage. He runs the field well. He's a good open field tackler. Okay. Um, but he makes it up with the intangibles because he is smart. He is instinctive. He understands this game at another level. Uh, was he maybe picked a little higher than most people thought? Yeah, but you know what? If I'm gonna do that. Give me that smart guy that's been healthy and understands this game. And again, I do think that genetic code is there. That's Uh, awesome. The Saints really seem to value that. And that really stuck out to me. I would too, because I do think there is something there. There's a book for me in my future with that. Um, No, I've been approached about it. You got to write it. Kind of that genetic code with athletes. And I do think. It's almost similar, I hate to use this term, but it's almost similar to a politician that, you know, their dad or their grandfather, you know, it's sort of in the blood a little bit with them that they have that inside of them. And it's the same way in athletics. Uh, Now, there are some that breaks the mold that there is no kind of connection, but there's a lot of genetic connections there. What I see with Pete is a good football player who I think in year two, will probably be a starter for this football team. I don't know about year one, because I think Zach Bond has the advantage because he has experience. That guy's a starter for this football team. Okay. Well, we will certainly watch for year two for Pete Werner. All right. And I also am eager to hear your thoughts about corner Paulson Adebo, obviously a position of need for the Saints. They traded up to get him in the third round. He seems like he's got a good combination of ball skills and speed. But what's super interesting is that he only played one full season at Stanford in 2018. His 2019 season was cut short by injury. Here we go again with the injury. And then he opted out of 2020 because of COVID his senior year. But in his uh, limited games played just 22, 34 passes defensed and eight interceptions. So not too bad. Right, Mike? No, it's really good, Rachel. Uh, I saw Paulson for the first time. I scouted him when he was in high school. 
uh, at Mansfield High School in Texas. He was a receiver. Okay. He, he did play some defensive back, mm -hmm. but he was he also played receiver, track athlete, a uh, basketball player, um, really good developing cornerbacks and defensive backs. And I think that he's got the best shot of all the rookies to see what I would call significant playing time this year, because the Saints right now are paper thin. I oh mean, my gosh. really yeah. <laughs> at corner. What's interesting, what you brought up, he opted out. And then we had a couple of people. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't want no guy to opt out. What? Okay. He opted out in, in August. You know what? The Pac-12 wasn't playing football in August. They had yeah. said you were opting out. So four weeks later, when they kind of heard the cash register ringing for the SEC and the ACC, they want to get back in. Well, come back in. Come help us make money. But wait a minute. I made that decision over a month ago uh, that I'm opting out. He is a guy that needs a little bit of work technically, but he is smart. He's got great size, length, really good foot speed, and he's a ball hawk. Again, what you brought up, the pass deflections, eight interceptions. When the ball's in the air, he thinks it's his, not the receiver's. And so I like that. And, uh, and again, we bring up the intelligence part. Now, we've talked about four guys, and every one of them, intelligence, instinctive. Now, they may have other flaws, <laughs> but that part is there with Paulson. I think he's going to see some playing time. Now, when you play at Stanford, just like any major college today, you're not just in man coverage. You're playing a lot of zone, off coverage, that sort of thing or quarters coverage. So he's played in a lot of that. He gets it. Wow. So that intelligence and instinctiveness, that two really important qualities, especially when it, when it comes to, you know, adjusting to the NFL game. So I want to uh, hit on the last two picks that the Saints got. want to give the sixth rounder and seventh rounder a little, a little uh, attention, especially the SEC had 65 players drafted, including Kentucky offensive tackle, Landon Young, and also the the Saints got a receiver, Quan Baker, out of South Alabama with their seventh round pick. Uh, of course, when you hear seventh round wide receiver, you can't help but think of Marcus Colston. We'll see if he have any kind of success like Colston had when he was here. But Mike, we'll start with Landon Young. Sean Payton said they want to start him at right tackle, even though he played his entire career at left tackle, that he's smart enough to play both. Your thoughts on his contributions to the Saints right off the bat? Right off the bat, I miffed at Zach Streep. He worked him out, and he didn't tell me. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, Zach, you're not going to have to have a conversation. But, no, you know, I get it. Uh, but Zach did work him out, and they sort of built the same. When He's almost 6'7", and yeah. Zach is 6'7". Zach is I mean, they're kind um, of set at the tackle positions, but, I mean, they could uh, – somebody to you, develop. Again, what's always a concern is uh, Teron Armstead – he may be one of the best. He's one of the top three tackles, left tackles in the game. But, you know, he has had some injuries. And so if you needed a swing tackle, uh, would you put James Hurst there today? Most likely because he's played some of that. And they just and signed him to that three-year deal. Right, um, right. Yeah. And, and that was an important signing. People said, James Hurst, no because he can play guard and tackle. Mm -hmm. And he has started in this league at guard and tackle. That's a difference. Landon was probably one of the top three tackle prospects in the country when he came out. 
Um, number one player in the state of Kentucky, uh, a shot put discus champion. He wrestled and a dominating offensive lineman. He just so matter of factly, because when we had him on on WWL, I said, you know, who are the schools that you were looking at? And he was like, oh, yeah, I got heavily recruited by Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Florida. But I wanted to stay home. I wanted to build something at Kentucky. Okay, so right off the bat, you know one thing. At Kentucky, they're not throwing the football much. So you know what he's going to have to work on. Pass protection, protection. setup, balance, control, Mm -hmm. um, being able to use your hands to steer that guy all the way to the edge. So we know he can run block, and he's a big guy. He's real physical, very smart, picks things up super quick. Um, And one thing I do know with Zach, if Zach gave his approval, which I know he had to, then he gets it, you know, because Zach puts a lot of emphasis and all these Monday night shows that we would go eat afterwards. He would always talk about, you know, uh, I want that guy to be technically sound. I want him to play under control. But as a difference now in the NFL, because you're throwing it so much. So he's going to have to adjust to that. And I, I agree with what you said. He's a better right tackle than a left. I mean, just because of the speed of the game. I don't think he's an inside player. I, okay. I don't see him. I, yeah. I don't see him that way. But again, you look at connect the dots. He's athletic, highly recruited, uh, smart, gets it. Yeah, he the Saints the have role. a type. Yeah, yeah, they've got a type. And as far as Quan Baker, the Peyton said the vision is to work, uh, start him working on the outside to start with. He played uh, in the slot mostly at uh, South Alabama, where he's the school record holder in receiving yards and touchdowns. Do you see any uh, potential for him to uh, develop into a good prospect for the Saints? Okay, he he wasn't the guy at South Alabama. Uh, there's going to be a young man in next year's draft class in Tolbert. <laughs> He's not going to wait long to hear his name. No, he was the guy. He is an unbelievable talent there at South Alabama. So Kwan played basically the number two position. So I kick him inside. Yeah. So he's not going to see any double coverage. Okay. And he was productive there. Then he hurts his knee late in the year. Yeah. They had South Alabama Pro Day. And Riley Cole, everybody wanted to take a look at him at linebacker. Who stole the show that day? It was Baker. He ran a sub 4-4, 40-yard dash, 38-and-a-half vertical. He caught all the passes there. Now, the one thing I see with Baker is he has a tendency to catch the ball up against his body. Ow. I don't like that. Because in the NFL, they'll hit you, the ball pops out. I don't think he gets picked without that pro day. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's I think super that interesting. pro day got him picked, Rachel. I'm convinced of that. And I think, you know, the saints had cut a deal with him, but I think Sean was like, man, you know, we like him and receivers coach likes him, but what happens if we pass on him and somebody a little later picks him, yeah. and, you know, and, and that sort of thing. And it's similar to what, what they did last year with Tommy Stevens. They mm-hmm. knew, that if they didn't trade up to get him, some other team would pick him. And they had a vision for Stevens that didn't work out. And we'll we'll see with with Quan how yeah. well he works out. But he wasn't the star at South Alabama. 
That right. Tolbert. That's that's super interesting. Tolbert was yeah. the guy. They could and be so, having a yeah. So so at South Alabama, they could be having they could be celebrating next year too. It sounds like. Well, uh, well listen, I, I know one thing. Tobit will celebrate a lot quicker than Baker. Not all. <laughs> now, I, I'll say this about Baker: he's got to have one habit. He got to break. He grew up an Atlanta Falcon fan. That is no. His high yeah. school is about three and a half, four miles from the Atlanta airport. But he grew up. He grew up a Dirty Bird fan, so he got to break that habit. Yeah. Gotta look at. Who signs that check every week? Right, right. His family, right. They've got to come. They've got to trade in their red and black for black and gold. That's it. As soon as possible. Well, Mike, this has been so much fun. So let's get into our final segment, the random round, some quick questions and quick answers that we close out every episode with. So our first question is, what is a sports venue you have not been to that you would love to visit? Wimbledon. I love that. I would love to go yeah, there. Uh, mm. I, when I was uh, much thinner, I was a pretty good tennis player. And so um, I, I would love to go to Wimbledon. Mm. Uh, I think that, that, would, that would be awesome for me. When you get tickets, call me. I would love yeah, to go. Yeah, we can go. go uh, uh, you might stay up later than you normally would, but you know, you'll get over it. You'll get used to it. <laughs> oh, no problem at all. Oh my goodness. Okay. Uh, we're, we're going to uh, do this one today. Uh, since we're talking about the draft, um, which team in the NFC South had the best 2021 draft? Oh, that's, I would say Carolina mm-hmm. had the best, uh, and probably had the most needs. Yeah. Uh, Again, uh, they needed a cover corner and got J.C. Horn, and then they they went a lot offensive. Remember last year, every pick they had was on defense. Every pick Matt Rule made was on defense. And as soon as I saw them come up to bat and Terrace Marshall Jr. was up, I was like, guys, I'm telling you, I'm willing to bet a lot of money because Joe Brady's got some influence here. Give me Terrace. Man, I, I know all about Terrence. He'll, he'll work here. And so I think they did the best. Okay. Yeah, I think when they when they snagged J.C. Horn at uh, eight, some Saints fans' hearts sank a little bit. But it's going to be interesting to see uh, him facing off against uh, NFC South receivers uh, twice the season. All right. Now, what profession other than your own would you most like to attempt? Wow, that's a good one. Uh, I've done a lot of I've done a lot of things. So, uh, whew. at one time I thought about I would like to have been a lawyer. Okay, but um, you know, I, I I know I could have done it, but it wasn't a love of mine. Uh, I'm more fascinated with the law today than I probably was when I was 17, 18 years old. Okay. Uh, so maybe a lawyer. Yeah. yeah. But okay. at my age, uh, I become a lawyer because now I hear everybody I, comes to me about, oh, let me tell you about my problem. And so now I become a, like psychiatrist. Uh, so I, let, let, me, let, me, let me pull that back. That okay. would have been the profession for me, I think, because I get it today. You know, you work with a lot of different people, a lot of different ages. And they don't tell you the positives. Everything's the negatives. Uh, every once in a while, they're, oh, guess what? I got this. I did this job. 
but they tell you all about the negatives. So yeah, psychiatrist. Part psychiatrist. Wow. All right. What is a food you could not live without? Oh, shrimp. Uh, shrimp. I'm, I'm a big shrimp eater. Uh, it doesn't sound like Forrest Gump. It doesn't really matter if it's fried shrimp, shrimp gumbo, shrimp etouffee, you name it. Um, that for me is would be the one food that would be really difficult for me. Shrimp anyway. Okay. Anyway, shrimp. Got it. Anyway. All right. Name a role model who impacted your life. Um, probably growing up and and I'm not a great writer. Okay. Uh, cause I write like I talk, which isn't great. Uh, but I grew up reading Pete Finney. Great. Oh, I love Pete, that answer. Pete was, and will go down as the greatest sports writer ever from Louisiana. And it's not even close. I mean, you know, um, and even Buddy, who and he was really good friends with Pete, he would always say, oh, I know one thing, uh, um, uh, Pete's not a great talker and everything, but boy, can he write. That was no one better than Finney. Mm, I love that. Totally agree. And finally, if you could spend an hour with anyone, living or dead, past or present, who would it be? Oh wow, um, that's that's a good one. Um, uh, only because you know you grew up, you know, sixties, seventies. Uh, I would have loved to have heard the stories from John F. Kennedy of his um, life. Yeah. Now, again, he lived a totally different life than most people have, uh, rich, privileged, everything else. But then, you know, he found out life wasn't really equal. You know, he gets shot out of the water, so to speak, uh, with his PT boat and then running for office. And every I, I, I would, he, it's fascinating because um, kind of growing up in that era, you would love to have heard his story uh, and, you know, and he had a lot of other adventures in life too, but so it would have been fascinating to hear him speak about his life and what he did, what he accomplished. And it was a short life, you know, cause he's forever young, mm -hmm. uh, you know, when you pass away in your forties, that's a lot of pressure on you and how he dealt with it and that sort of thing. Um, you know, it's, um, would have been fascinating for me to talk to him and to hear him say that because for most people that have accomplished a lot, what we don't know is the disappointments, the pressure, uh, other things in life that they overcame. And, and it's the one thing I would tell young journalists is that you are going to have, you're going to get sidetracked in mm -hmm. life. It's not going to be a straight road. How you handle that. And then once you become successful, greatest compliments I get. And I, man, it, uh, it, it makes me feel good is, man, you're the same guy you 25, 30 years ago. You just living better. You know, I always appreciate you coming over and telling me hello and, and all that. So, and we get to talk a little bit before. Yeah. And, and, you know, Abraham, him, he got that monologue to begin with. So I could spend about 10 minutes with you while he's spouting the Gettysburg address of the same, <laughs> you know, in that day. 
No, no. I love seeing you before the games and I, I just can't wait until the right. The next season will be here in just a yep. few months. I mean, we're, we're already talking about things like mini camp and, you know, soon training camp and it'll be here. Everything hopefully before we know it, we'll be, we'll be able to all see each other again and, uh, knock on wood and, it, uh, so Mike, this has just been so much fun. Finally, before we, before we go, tell our listeners where they can connect more with you online. Um, before we go. Um, Mike Detelier.com at Mike Detelier, saintsreport.com, saints news network, SI, www.com. Oh you know, that's the ones I remember. Um, <laughs> yeah. Basically everywhere. Coach O's always tell me, hey, key boy, you got to write that down on that card. You got a big card. You got to hand it out. All the dot com stuff in that tweeter uh, that he talks about all of that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This has been so much fun. Mike Detillier, thank you so much for joining me. I can't wait to see you again outside the dome before the Saints uh, start their 2021 season. Thanks so much again. Thank you so much, Rachel. It's uh, my pleasure and honor to do it. And I'm glad you're back in the business. At uh, least the doors <laughs> opened a little bit, but I'm glad to see you back. You're happy and uh, I'm thrilled about that. Thank you so much, Mike. We'll do it again real soon. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Black and Gold Rush. Make sure to subscribe on the podcast app of your choice and leave a rating and review. Also, I'd love to connect more. Come say hey on Twitter or Instagram at RachelW504 and let me know what you thought of this episode. For show notes and more, head over to my website at rachelwjones.me. Until next time, who dat?